you're in Seattle, Seattle. And you need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to rodandbouncedown.com. It's G-Force O'Neal. Thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. Hey, you guys. What's going on? Welcome to episode 494 now of the Ron and Don Show. And you, yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to talk about the Jumbo Jet. It is back. Also, Netflix is looking for a $385,000. Well, that's what it pays a year, I guess. Yeah, they're looking for a flight attendant. And also, Amazon is taking to the what? Yeah, they're taking to the skies. Also, I just celebrated something January 18th. Yeah, it was five years of doing something. I want to tell you about that. Before I tell you about that, though, let's talk about this. Marie Osmond has just come out. She has eight children. She's kind of interesting because she was married. She left her husband, and then she went back to the gentleman that I believe she had eight children with. Uh, Her son, a number of years ago, you remember, he jumped from a parking garage, and it was just a soul crusher for that family. Anyway, it really got her to thinking about her parenting, her parenting style. And a lot of times when our kids are in distress, or you can imagine if your child had taken their own life, that would make you do some self-examination, right? And really ask yourself, what was my part in this? Or do I have a part in it? And I imagine for parents, that just has to be a horrifying question to ask yourself. Can I do a sidebar here real quick if people are younger? So Donnie, Marie Osmond, she was a teenager, right? When Donnie Marie... Had a they had a weekly variety show. Am I remembering this? Yeah, correct? they were. There was a, a old time Andy Williams hour on TV, and he used to reach out to really young groups like the Jackson Five or the Osmonds. And the Osmonds, you would compare them to the Jackson Five. They were they were kind of the Mormon version of the Jackson Five. So you had all these young. I, th- I think it was five, if you include Jimmy. I think it's five. Oh, that's right. There used to be the Osmond family. Yeah, the Osmond. Like, they were a whole band. Yeah, the I whole... forgot about the Osmond family. Yeah, and they still play today. They play in Missouri. They have their own. But theater, the standouts though. were Donnie and Marie. Donnie and Marie. They were a, kind of a younger version of Sonny and Cher. They had a variety show. They, they spun it off into They'd their own sing, thing. I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and She and was roll. the youngest woman to she, ever have she, a number one hit. Right? Yeah. And she was 16. I believe her brother was 18 when they did that show. And they do the same thing now. So every once in a while, they'll get together, sing a song. But she has really doubled down on, on parody. So back to this story. She's been talking about, and it's interesting because on February 16th, we're going to be talking about creating generational wealth. In fact, if you want to know more about it, you want to get signed up for this event that Ron and I are speaking at, all you got to do is... Yeah, go to ronanddon.com slash change. There's some limited seats available. People yeah. are signing up. So we'll see you February 16th. But we're going to be talking about generational wealth. And do you pass on generational wealth? Is it important to create generational wealth? She is saying no. She is saying she's basically going to cut off her kids. Uh, her quote is basically... That when it comes to your kids, laziness breeds entitlement. And if they wake up every day and don't feel purpose, 
or if they wake up every day and don't feel the pressure of taking care of themselves or their family, even financially, emotionally, spiritually, uh, physically, and uh, you can add on to that. She is saying that because of that and what she's seen in her own family, that her kids get nothing. This is interesting. You look at Bill and Melinda Gates. They said that their kids will get about 2% to 3% of their wealth and the rest they're going to give away. Well, their kids are still going to get millions if not billions of dollars in horse farms and all these other things. Ron, what say you about what Marie Osmond has had to say to parents out there about creating trust funds for your kids? Well, I think the way this article was written, it gave me a bad reaction to Marie Osmond. I bet if I sat down and actually spoke with her about this, that I would walk away with a different reaction because what she's talking about in my mind, and let me have a giant caveat here. I am not a parent, so I could be entirely a thousand percent wrong on this. You want a giant carrot? We don't have any carrots. Uh, Ca- caveat. Gunner ate the rest of those last so time. Like, she, oh, you want a caveat? She, um, caviar? When, when, when I hear her saying this, my mind immediately goes to, well, the train's already left the track in this scenario. If you've, uh, if she's saying her kid is entitled and couldn't handle uh, uh, a money inheritance from her, in my mind, that means, well, well, how have you been parenting that kid up till now? Totally, yeah. Because if you had been, there are tons of examples of kids whose parents had an inheritance for them who did great because the parenting style up until the point they got the money was it seems different than what Marie Osmond's doing. I would think that uh, if I if I did have kids, I would want to set them up with some money under specific conditions. Um, not so that they could go party somewhere, but let's say, for instance, uh, you and I have a mutual friend and for a while there was like, I don't know if my son's going to go to college or not. Like he, he's struggling at school or like, it's just not his thing. And so maybe, and he's grown into it. He is, he is going to go to college now. But at the time we talked about, maybe we, maybe we take this college fund that we've been saving up for since he was a baby and maybe he's an entrepreneur. Yeah. So maybe at age 20. We say, let's start a business together. So I was going to give you whatever. I don't know how many, how much money those 529 accounts get. Like I was, was going to, I had 50 grand set aside for four years of university. Let's take that 50 grand. And if you have a great idea, let's give you a master's degree in business by starting your own business, knowing that most likely it's going to fail. Yeah. But at the end of these next four years, that kid would learn a lot about business. Yeah. And and you're going to have $0 in the same way if you had $0 but they had a piece of paper from a specific college. I I don't have a problem with that at all. In fact, I would encourage that. I would encourage and for some kids if they said, "Hey, I am not college material. I would like to start my own business or I would like to buy a piece of property or I would like to take a leap year and I'm going to work in Europe or I'm going to work in South America. I'm going to go to Africa or do whatever that is. That to me as is just as valid as education as going to a university. And so when Marie Osmond said this, I was like, it sounds like it's too late for your kids if they're in that state of mind. Yeah. If they're already in an entitled state of mind, that's not the inheritance fault. The fact that you have money, that didn't make them entitled. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there are plenty of kids whose parents have money that are not entitled. That to me seemed like that's a Marie Osmond problem. Yeah. And and, and I think about this all the time, raising, raising my 12-year-old. And next next time you see him, Ron, uh, I would encourage you without a prompt 
from me to just kind of ask him and say, hey, what do you what do you do with your money? Right. And and I think he will say that you spend some uh, when you're young. The reason I like him spending money, because then he really knows what the what, what things cost. So we go out, we take money out of his piggy bank. He has a, f- a 529 plan. I also have a house that I use is, is, is leverage uh, that will help pay for his college education or his business one day. But I, but I think he'll say spend some. And, and then we actively together will decide how we want to give money. So we'll give some. And then we're working on we're working on saving some. I think he'll say that, right? And the thing that happens a lot of times in our lives is people make a lot of money, but at the end, in fact, we're we're working with a client right now that has made a lot of money over the course of their lifetime, but they they never really knew how to invest it. And because of that now, they're well into their 60s, heading towards 70. And again, it's never too late to start building wealth, but it certainly is later than it is for my 12-year-old. So I want him to understand that his life is leverage. I think Maria Osmond is right. If you start giving kids just stuff when they're young and they don't learn to make their own money and they don't learn to go to the store and spend some and give some and save some, and you're just, when they're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, you're going to hand them a trust fund. Yeah, you, you, there, there's a giant possibility that you are going to destroy the motivation within that child. But I love what you just said, uh, Ron. And I don't think, I, I think the college system in a lot of places around the U.S. is broken, right? I talk to a lot of people that come stay in my Airbnbs that are uh, of college age or a little bit older. Many of them never finished school. They went to coder school. They're traveling the world with their laptops. And it's interesting when you talk to someone that has traveled the world, especially a young person versus someone that has just stayed here in the States. They are a world citizen, right? They're concerned about what's going on in Ukraine. They are concerned about global health. They're concerned about global war. They have a real sense that everything, even though that we represent 2 to 3% of the world's population in the U.S., we consume 70% of the stuff out there uh, that is consumable. So I want to make sure that my son understands money. If, if I have some wealth, some generational wealth to pass on, or a trust fund, let's say, that'll be at a much later date, 35 maybe, 40 years old, right? When I'm no longer around, haven't been around for a long time, and he's gone out and he's made his own money. He's created his own career. Maybe he has created his own family by then. But yeah, I agree with her. Get, don't, don't, if, if you don't teach your children the value of a dollar when they're very young and get them involved with a bank account. Uh, when you grew up, did anyone teach you about an ATM? Did anyone teach you about a credit score? Did anyone teach you how to basically pull out a ledger and, and balance a checkbook? I was never taught that. I could work an ATM, but it wasn't my account. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I, I was never taught that in school, and I certainly wasn't taught that by my parents, right? So I, I, I think it's a real opportunity uh, to, to invest time in your child. And when they turn 18, maybe they should travel the world for, uh, I'm a, a big year. fan of gap. Year. Yeah. And, 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 and then come back and, and decide what they want to do. Do they want to do higher learning? Do they want to go to community college right now? A plumber, a plumber is $135 an hour. And in fact, I have a nephew that's a plumber. I have another nephew that's a lineman and he flies, in fact, you just got back from Puerto Rico. Uh, they make over $100 an hour. And what we're seeing right now with the trades, and Ron, you and I see this all the time, 
I don't see a lot of young people on construction sites. And typically, you show up on a construction site, and the way you get a construction job is you you walk around, and you clean up after the saw, and you sweep floors, and you wash windows, and you, you unload trucks, and you pour concrete, and you help level the driveway, and you get out the jackhammer, and then the next thing you know, they're putting tools in your hands, and now you're a journeyman, possibly. We don't see that happening. And for my son, he's not a straight-A student like I was. I don't think he's ever going to be. And at the same time, he is so brilliant in his own way. But I don't know that the four-year college education is going to be his path. And it was my path until it wasn't. Uh, I was going to the University of Washington. We got our first big morning job with the Raiders offered down in San Francisco. And I remember going to one of my college professors. Her name was Cindy, and she was the vice president at Pepsi-Cola. And she was teaching uh, in the evenings. And I really loved her marketing class. And she just said, you know, if I got a job offer like you did in San Francisco, because I didn't want to quit school, she said, I would probably leave and go do that job. She said, I don't know that we could train you for that job in San Francisco, because that's more learning radio. It's, it's, it's like being an informal learner, and you just kind of learn uh, sitting there uh, watching other people do it. So nonetheless, give some, spend some, save some. Yeah, and wait and give your child an opportunity to find their own road. And, and if funding my son, and I don't believe uh, traveling the world and, and staying at five-star five star resorts, traveling the world, backpack on, doing it with some friends, and understanding that the world doesn't revolve around you, yeah, then when you're 35, yeah, here's some generational wealth. We'll see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, back to the Ron and Don show in a moment. I love those guys. They are amazing. Speaking about being amazing, do you want to be amazing in 2023? We have a 2023 life-changing event coming up. There are 30 people on February 16th. It costs nothing. There's no flim-flam. There's no bait-and-switch. But we have raised the bar here. We don't want just 30 people showing up that want to meet us because... We can meet you some other time. And believe believe you me, we're not that exciting. Ron, this specifically, we are dialing into our health and we're dialing into our wealth when it comes to building wealth and health through the power of real estate, right? Yeah, so 30 people and we are going to do a two-hour event here. And I guarantee you, if you really lean into this and you really listen to it, we are going to come up with a custom game plan just for you to acquire that first piece of real estate. It's probably not going to be tomorrow. It might take six months. It might take a year. But if you are ready to go on this journey with us, that's who we want to partner with. So if you're motivated, this rings true. Go to ronanddon.com slash change. It's limited to 30 people. ronanddon.com slash change. We'll see you everybody february 16th and now back to the show all right you guys welcome back to episode 494 don't forget life-changing event coming up february 16th who are we looking for who should sign up yeah we're looking for first-time home buyers or, or folks that want to make a positive change and you're you're willing to put some effort in and, and really get this going in terms of a real estate buy nothing changed my life financially more than real estate. And I think Don as well, if you've been getting our newsletter and part of this class is going to be, this was the changing agent, uh, getting involved in real estate. So we're looking for 30 people 
And uh, we've already gotten some signups. So if you want in on this one, you got to go to ronanddon.com slash change and sign up. There's still spots available, but it, it is filling up. And we, we that's the capacity of the room is 30 people. Yeah, so, we'll, get, we'll get you fed. It'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a couple hours. It'll be in the evening. We're not going to take up a lot of your time. But what kind of people do we want to come? Who, yeah, who, so people, who, would, who, would, who would benefit from People this? that want to be a buyer. This is the time and to buy in this market. If you ever wanted to be a buyer in the Puget Sound, right now Puget Sound area now is the time in recent history so that's why we're setting this up because we need to take action now it's a complicated process uh, and there's a lot of moving parts so we just want to get everybody in a room we can answer your questions sort of give you a strategy and like Don always says we're not selling a membership to anything we're not selling tapes uh, this isn't a bait and switch where we're going to try to you know you know ask you for money it's free of charge uh, all that we ask is that you're ready willing and able to be there at the class and that you this is what you want to do you want to be a home an owner and not a renter yeah there we go so you're saying ronanddon.com slash change correct ronanddon.com slash change yeah all right hey let's do this in radio we call this a whip where we take three similar stories and we just kind of whip around the topic and let's talk about air travel which ron loves to do and i'm going to whip you now with three stories you ready uh story number one the jumbo jet That gas guzzler, that fuel guzzler is back and it's flying around sometimes the unfriendly skies. Why is the jumbo jet back? This is, this is interesting. This is an interesting story because they, uh, basically what happened during COVID is you had air travel went from a hundred percent to like nearly zero percent. And so all of these airlines were looking around like, what do we do? We had, we had ordered planes from Boeing or we'd ordered planes from Airbus. Uh, and, and it's, what are we going to do? And here's a really interesting thing that I didn't know about until, cause I have this buddy that works as an airline mechanic. When the airlines are contracted with the, the airline mechanics unions, let's say, um, those planes cannot just sit there and not do anything. They signed a contract that said, we are going to service airplanes at a specific rate. Uh, the planes are going to put in this many hours. So a lot of times, um, a plane would have zero passengers in it and would have to fly, let's say, to Costa Rica, That's right. where they do some maintenance. They have some maintenance facilities there. So an empty plane yep. would take off from DFW in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Fly to it had a pilot and a co-pilot. It would fly to Costa Rica. They would land, do a service, yeah, because it was required by the contract, not because it had flown that number of hours, because but it couldn't be grounded. Mm. So they would do that, turn around and fly it back. Yeah. Then it would be sitting in Dallas or it'd be sitting somewhere with no flight scheduled. Mm. And so the airlines were like, we're going to contract these things. Now we're on the other side, flight is coming back. And now those planes aren't there. They weren't going to buy new planes to fill the gap because they didn't know when it was going to be filled. Like they didn't want to expend that money. So now they said, where are we going to get some planes? They've gone out and and got these retired planes that are most of the time when now let's take a seven, four, seven. And again, I'm sure there's some aviation people in the Rondon nation that will correct me. Email me Ron at Rondon.com. But what my understanding is you would take those planes and maybe you would sell that plane to a, an airline that's not under FAA regulations. So I have a 747. It's gone through its number of cycles, done all the maintenance on it. And an airline's going to say, hey, we're going to sell this to a different country maybe. They'll repaint it, maybe redo the interior, and then they're under a different 
set of standards with their version of FAA in that country. And so that's that might be a way to, you know, get some of your money back out of this used plane. Now these airlines are going, whoa, 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 whoa. Before we do that, let's spruce it up a little bit because we need that plane. We're adding routes again. Mm. We don't have the our order. We canceled our order with Boeing. So now we're going to put that order back in. Right. Uh, and in the meantime, we're going to take this four engine plane that's way more uh uses way more more gas and the other thing is those planes that might have had bigger seating capacities especially in first class or whatever so they're basically pulling planes back into the fold uh to meet this demand until they can get the new planes in. yeah i had a, a friend of mine that's a flight attendant she said she would send me pictures and sometimes when people were flying there'd be like seven people aboard her plane uh, and then other times there was no one. And she said to have these planes sit in mothball, it costs more. So they got to keep the plane moving as far as maintenance goes. Right. It's easier to maintain. So all great points. The jumbo jet is back for a little while until all these planes can be delivered. Netflix, a $385,000 flight attendant. What are, what are they looking for? That sounds like a job for you. Well, this is the, 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 they're projecting the range. The ad didn't give that specific number, but they think that could be the range. This is for, when Netflix has to fly, they, I guess they have their own corporate jet. They want to fly in people they're developing content with, uh, and they need a very high end flight attendant to basically handle the, these passengers. Mm. So the ones that pop to mind, let's say Harry and Megan are going to do their five part, six part mini series. Oh, yeah. So they're like, hey, we're going to fly you out. Let's talk development deal. Well, where are you guys at? Let's pick you up. The Obamas did a deal with Netflix. You might have the knives out people. You know, you're going to have a director and Daniel Craig and all these people are going to fly in. So they want to send, we're going to send our jet, hop on board. And this flight attendant is supposed to be, you know, white glove service. And be, they want discretion as part of the job. So if you get on the plane and it's Brad Pitt and Daniel Craig, you can't put it on your Instagram. I'm on the plane with Superstar. Yeah. Like you need to keep that under wraps. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and then finally I was at the, the post office yesterday, actually mailing some stuff out to our clients. And we'll talk about that in another episode, what we were mailing and why, because uh, I think it's important. I was talking to a the gentleman there. Uh, I was probably there for an hour mailing things. And I said, how's the United States postal service? Cause usually they lose $9 billion a year. He said, it's interesting because when Amazon all of a sudden needed someone else besides FedEx to go out and deliver packages, they picked the United States Postal Service. But now look around the neighborhoods and you see less postal trucks dropping off packages and you see more Amazon trucks dropping those packages off. Those drivers, too, they, they say you don't need any specialized training to go drive one of those vans. Where they need training is not only where they park the van, but when they jump out, because some of them have packages in hand, and you can tell they haven't been delivering packages for a long time, and they'll jump right out into traffic. Yeah, it's tough. These, the- it happens a lot, right? Yep. And I, I get fearful of, of – I really slow down when I see an Amazon truck because I'm fear these are a lot of young people out there. Anyway, so Amazon has taken over delivery, we know. They still haven't been really able to crack the one-hour delivery and drones and everything else. I think they'll continue to, to work on that. Autonomous deliveries, let's see when that's going to happen. I know they're working on that. But but also in creating hubs, creating hubs, they say that Amazon is getting ready to overtake the skies, and it shows a plane with Amazon uh, written on the belly of this plane. What say you, and what is that going to do the FedExes of the world? And what's that going to do the United States Postal Service? As Amazon said, yeah, we need you. 
Uh, but now we can do this ourselves. To me, this is a story less about airplanes and more about how you run your business with promises. The foundation of this was Amazon had an audacious idea, and that was Amazon Prime. If, if people forget once you become accustomed to uh, something like Amazon Prime, people forget when that was invented, the prospect of going, and you probably remember this, the idea of going online and ordering something that was going to be shipped to your house was ridiculous. It felt like a scam. You're like, no way, I'm putting my, I'm putting my credit card into a, some website? Like, I don't know who these people are. Mm. It was ridiculous to think that you could go out and buy, let's say, you know, you have some workout gear. You'd never buy that workout gear online yeah. with some company you've never heard of out of state. And so what Amazon said is, we will get you this package in two days. Yeah. When you buy this thing, you're going to get it in two days. And they became so obsessed with that, pa- with that promise, th- that's what led to buying airplanes mm. because there was a, a couple inflection points where they weren't going to be able to deliver the item in two days. And so they said, Hey, we just got, um, our partner doesn't have the plane space around the holidays. We need our own plane. So that's how this was, was born. It wasn't plane first. It was promise first. Mm. And that just reminded me or made me think of like, that's pretty amazing to think, our promise, instead of going back to the, most companies go back to the customer. Hey, we know we told you it was going to be two days, but you know, it's the holidays. Uh, stuff's really busy. It's really going to be four days. That's what most companies would do and say, yeah, we broke that promise. We already got your money. Sorry, it'll be there on the 27th instead of the 25th. Uh, and instead, Amazon said, not acceptable. We made this promise. And we, if we said two days, most of the packages need to be there in two days. And so that, I guess we're buying airplanes. And so that they started buying airplanes and now they're buying more and more airplanes and more and more charters because that is sacrosanct to them. That's the pillar of their business. Yeah. When you give us, I think it's $99 a year now or whatever. When you say $99 a year to prime two days. And so that is now our expectation. And I do this all the time. If I order something on Amazon, I just ordered a book there. I know it'll be there by Monday. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just going to be there. Like I don't have to, you know, 99 times out of a hundred, I can wait two days to get that thing. So yeah, their fleet is getting bigger. Um, you'll start to see white and blue airplanes flying through the sky. There are no passengers on that plane. If you ever get a chance to see the way they make the containers, there's these special containers that fit inside those jets that are shaped. They're round. Wow. And so they roll in and out on this track, and yeah. they're able to pack things in there really ingeniously. Yeah. In, in fact, up in Arlington, they say that Amazon bought some land, and not to just have another distribution site, but to build an airfield up there uh, and look for them to have their own airfields and runways. How about that? Yeah, that's incredible. We'll see you on the other side of this. Hey, it's Ron Don here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans. Mitch, uh, do I need to have 20% down to buy a house right now? 
No, and that's actually one of the most common mistakes that I do here is people think and people have thought for a long time that 20% is the standby. 20% the first time you're buying a home is not normal at all. With with prices, you know, around a million dollars often for first-time home buyers, 20% is a lot of money to save and it is not necessary. You can put 3.5% down with an FHA loan, 5% down sometimes even less with a conventional and Mortgage insurance just isn't as bad as it used to be. I just did a loan that was a $900,000 home. The buyers put 10% down and they were going to pay mortgage insurance of $100 a month for two years. Now that $2,400 feels like a lot, maybe, but if you talk about how much their home is going to grow in value over that time, it's nothing. All right. He's Mitch Weeks. Uh, Get in touch with him at Mitch.loans. If you're a first time buyer and your ears just perked up and go, I'd like to buy a house for 5% down. It's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys. Hey, welcome back to the Ron and Don show. I just wanted to read something. And if this helps one person, in fact, one of my friends from high school uh, and his first name is Mike. I won't share his last name. But he had read this on my Facebook page. He still lives in, in New Mexico. And he reached out to me and he said, hey, I'm a dad, uh, two kids, and I have diabetes and high blood pressure. Uh, and I drink a lot of beer. I eat a lot of red meat. Haven't been taking great care of myself, but I've raised these kids. My wife just left. And now I'm even drinking more. And, it's, it's, and I asked Mike, I said, hey, do you have any hobbies? And his hobbies basically... Every one of his hobbies is somehow connected to, to, to drinking. And, and so I just wanted to share this with you. January 18th, uh, five years ago. Uh, so I just celebrated this. And, 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 and I decided January 18th, without going into, into the whole story, there were just some things that happened. A lot of it surrounded this story about being a dad and the story I would tell myself about myself about not being a good dad. Uh, I decided January 18th, I reached out to Ron and I said, hey, I need to go talk to someone. He said, I talked to someone who's brilliant. Uh, why don't you talk to her? And so it started my journey with, with Dr. Priscilla Wright, uh, who was also uh, worked for the Seattle Seahawks for 15 years. And she knew how to deal with public people. And she understood the pressure that we felt sometimes when it came to ratings in uh, revenue in some of these big businesses. And she could see that you were a standout linebacker in 1987 <laughs> coming out of Eldorado High School. Yeah, that's right. So so anyway, I made some I made some big changes in my life as far as dieting, as far as all the alcohol I was drinking uh, to just kind of numb sometimes, uh, to deal with maybe some of the past trauma. I started doing a lot and a lot of writing. I, I started to take parenting classes and I started to have conversations with her. And in these conversations, a lot of times I would write and, and she would listen uh, as I just began to deal with my past. And as I began to make amends with people and make a connection. So, so for some of us, it, it, and it could be anything you're doing too much. Maybe you have too much sugar in your life. Maybe you have too much alcohol in your life. Maybe you have too much anger in your life. Maybe you have too much hate. Maybe too much hurt. Maybe too much trauma, trauma, whatever that is. Whatever is the thing that you use to numb, when you pull the numbing agent back, that's when the work starts. That's the work. That's the journey. It's like, okay, why was I doing this? Because when you're younger, maybe you're just having fun. But as you get older, 
it's it's like wow this has become a crutch for me and and that's what that's what drinking was for me it, it had become a crutch to not deal with some of the things in my life uh so i'm just going to read this to you before we punch out and just see if this this, this might help some of you and in the story you're going to hear about bj shea and bj shea is the morning man at ksw and we went to lunch one day at seraphina and he asked me this question so this is what i wrote five years ago today january 18 2018 i made major changes in my life after having lunch with my friend BJ Shea, who's the morning morning extraordinaire in KSW. BJ asked me when I was starting my journey, when was I going to go do my work? I thought Journey and Men at Work, they're great rock bands, but I had no idea what the real work was. And uh, boy, there's a lot of work ahead for me. BJ said that there's two kind of people. There's those types that believe that life is happening to them, right? And you become a victim. And then there's others that say, you know what? They reframe that. They reframe it and they say, you know what? Life is not happening to me. Life is happening for me. I chose that second road that BJ talked about. It has been an effing hard road at times. But on this road, I clearly see me becoming the dad I always wish that I could be. And I still have a long way to go, you guys. And some people, some people go through something called recovery and they recover a life that they once had. My journey has been more about discovery, exploring a life I never knew could exist. I am so grateful for the courage of this man right here, and it's a picture of I, and BJ that day at Serafina having lunch. BJ, thank you. I have found out over the last five years, after testing your theory, that it does happen for us. It happens for me. And it's happening for all of us right now. If you choose the road less traveled, it is a effing hard road at times. I'm not going to lie to you, but it's where freedom awaits. Here is to your recovery, or for some of you, your discovery in 2023. And BJ, thanks for not driving me to the train station all those years ago. I love you all, Don. Well said. I, I, uh, BJ was one of the first people, men, publicly that I ever heard about talk about therapy. And um, whether you like his show or you don't like his show is immaterial to me, but he was one of the first men that I heard talk about that. And I was like, whoa, like that's, you're on a rock station and you're talking about therapy, like what is happening? Like it, it was, it was a taboo subject. And uh, when I hit some rough patches, especially when I was going through a divorce, uh, I ended up going to therapy and, and we decided, you know what, let's talk about this publicly uh, because it's helped me. And then it turned out to help you. And I hope that it turns out to help other people. It's not a bad word. It's not a bad concept. Uh, and in, in fact, I think once you get past over your own self and you can sit down with someone, you look forward to it. You're like, there's so many times, I don't know if you go through this sensation, so many times that before I would go, I would just blab about something. I would complain about something. I would vent to somebody. And now, when you once you have a therapist, you go, "Oh, I, I can I can save this for therapy. Like yeah. I, I don't need to blab about this to my coworker or to a friend. Like I can I have a safe place to talk about this with someone else. And my friendship can be about having fun, or my yeah. friendship can be about 
Uh, my partnership can be not about complaining all the time. Yeah. I can take that stuff and I have an arena for it mm-hmm. and I can then reframe these other relationships. Yeah, that's beautifully said, Ron. And the only thing I would add to it is just be careful with labels. Like one of the first questions I had when I with my therapist is I said, hey, I really wanted to make a long-term relationship work. And I also, and, and am I an alcoholic? And she said, well, if we're going to go on that journey, does the label really matter? Does it really matter? And she said, what would you like to do about it? And I said, well, I, I'm, I'm going to quit drinking for a time. She says, how long is that going to be? And I said, I think it's going to be forever. She said, forever is a really long time. So instead of worrying about the label of alcohol or alcoholism, because that comes with such, you know, people have real strong feelings about that. And you know they're strong because usually that, then they turn around and start explaining their drinking to you and why they don't have an issue. And, and, and maybe you do. Or they try to talk you out of uh, your issue, which uh, some friends did. Mostly supportive, though. So, so with that said, she said, yeah, I don't know if the label's important. She says, I don't know if you're an alcoholic or not. She said, but I knew, do know this. She said, if, if you stop drinking, that's when, that's when the shitstorm starts. That's when we're going to have a lot to deal with and a lot to talk about. Are you ready to go on that journey? She said, how about if we just take a six-month journey, and at the end of that journey, you decide is your life better, worse, or kind of the same? And that's what I ask myself every day now when I wake up and I make decisions for the day. Does this serve me, right? And I've decided to participate in my own story instead of falling out of bed in the morning and acting reflexively, uh, like we sometimes do, and I still do, you guys. So it's it, it's a work in progress for sure. But I thank BJ for that, and I thank Ron uh, for sharing uh, Dr. Wright with me, So uh, who's getting ready to retire, which uh, I'm excited for her, right? Anyway, it does work. It's been five years, uh, and life is better, and life happens for you. And if you're listening right now like Mike was, feel free to reach out to me. I've, I've had over 100 people probably reach out to me over the years, uh, and again, I don't know that the label is important, but whatever that habit is, when you pull that away, get ready to do the work, get ready to feel the burn, get ready to feel the pain. And when you feel pain, you will understand what it is like when you understand pain and anger to really understand happiness and joy. The antithesis of that, yeah, I feel happiness and joy in a way I've never felt it before. So anyway, he's Ron, I'm Don. Thanks for listening to this episode. We do have a life-changing event that is coming up that I'm stoked to speak at. And Ron, you're going to be speaking there too. I am. There's still some spots available. Not all the spots. We have a 30 cap, a 30 seat limit, ronanddon.com slash change. You can find more info and sign up there. ronanddon.com slash change. It's February 16th, 6 p.m. We'll go about two hours. Uh, ronanddon.com slash change. All right, you guys. Don't forget, in the meantime, if you need us, ronadonsitdown.com. Get signed up for the newsletter there as well. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you for episode 494. It's going to drop before you know it. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet. And we'll see you next time. Only. 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network.